Hello everyone and welcome to episode 8 of Worldwide. So in this podcast, I basically just go over some of the education, healthcare, and especially now the coronavirus situation and how it affects different nations around the world. So today's episode, I'm actually really excited about it, is going to cover Nigeria. So this country in, in Africa is actually very well known for it's oil production, and I will touch on that a little bit later again, but that's something that this country is really famous for, and so I wanted to begin by going over some of the ways that coronavirus is affecting Nigeria, and some of the policies and things that are being set in place to possibly combat the spread of the virus, like Sri Lanka and Thailand but definitely not as much as the United States, but still definitely. As of right now, there are confirmed to be around 40,000 cases of coronavirus in Nigeria and around 789 deaths. So that is considerably high for this African country in relation to some of the other countries I've talked about, a number that is quite large in my opinion. So Nigeria had about 350 ventilators and 350 ICU beds for the entire population just before the outbreak. However, in April 2020, so about three months ago, the country acquired around 100 more ventilators. But if you look at the numbers, you since the cases are you know growing super fast and are in the thousands and ten thousands, the country is going to definitely need more more than 450 ventilators and 450 ICU beds. And there have been, there has been a continuous rise in the number of cases and deaths in Nigeria, but there's no flattening of the curve to be observed yet, similar to the, similar to the United States, of course. So it definitely is alarming, and the government has been trying to take different measures to, you know, combat or cushion the impact of COVID-19. And these are, you know, health, social, and economic measures because I don't think one specific type would solve all of the impacts that the virus could have. You definitely definitely need to look at all aspects, whether it be health, social, and economic, political, everything. Some of these policy responses have weaknesses and are probably not going to help with the magnitude of the problem. But of course, we should look at each one and, you know, just analyze each one for sure. And sadly, again, many businesses in the informal sector are unregistered, so it's going to be difficult for them to get the benefits that they need. And for the government to help, they will have to use small interest free loans or small grants So some of the major strategic responses by the federal government include the Economic Stimulus Bill of 2020. So the House of Representatives in Nigeria passed this Emergency Economic Stimulus Bill in 2020 on March 24th to be exact in order to provide support to businesses and individual citizens of Nigeria. So this law aims to provide about 50% tax rebates to businesses that are registered under the Companies and Allied Matters Act so that they can use this and continue to employ their current workers rather than having to fire them or not pay them. So this bill is obviously at first glance something that sounds really successful and like a good idea. However, the bill focuses on providing relief to formal sector businesses. 
And unfortunately, 65% of Nigeria's total GDP comes from the informal sector. And 90% of the workforce is working for the informal sector as well. And sadly, it's the informal sector workers and workforce that actually need the support to survive more than ever, rather than the formal sector businesses and business workers. This isn't always the case, but for the most part, it is. It's going to be it's going to be difficult for all the businesses and the workers and citizens to all get the help and benefits that they truly deserve, especially given this difficult time that the country is facing due to the, due to the coronavirus. Secondly, the government has implemented cash transfers. So as of April 1st of 2020, the government announced that they're going to be making transfers of 20,000 naira, that is their currency, which is equivalent to about $52, to poor and vulnerable households registered in the National Social Register, which abbreviated is NSR. So currently the NSR has about 2.6 million households, which is 11 million people, registered on the platform. And the government hopes to increase this number to around 3.6 million households during the COVID-19 crisis in order to accommodate more people. However, over 87 million Nigerians live on less than $1.90 a day. And these cash payments by the federal government will only reach a small fraction of the poor. So of these 87 million Nigerians, around, I would say, 12 to 13 million would be getting the $52 and this money by the government, which is a small fraction, an amount. And Nigeria does not have a robust national information management system, which according to an article I read is going to cause electronic payments to be more difficult. And this is going to result in many people in the NSR not receiving the money that was promised by the government. So that's, you know, a weakness of this policy or measure that the government has put into place because it's the NSR is not able to reach as many people as they want to, and of the people who need the money the most, only a fraction or a small amount are actually going to end up getting it. Also, the Nigerian government has put into place the Central Bank of Nigeria Stimulus Package. So this is also known as the CBN. The CBN Stimulus Package offers a credit of 3 million naira, which is a currency again, to poor families impacted by COVID-19. And this loan is not interest-free, and it can be made available free of collateral to poor households or just require signed guarantees by community leaders. The issue with this is, although it's, you know, a great idea and certainly helpful if put into place successfully, the loans should most likely be available at a lower interest rate with a longer repayment period for it to be as successful as it can be. And also a lot of poor households and businesses in the informal sector don't really know about the available economic packages and these policies that are implemented by the government, so they may never end up hearing about it or being able to have access to some of these policies, which can end up causing a lot of damage to their family and households or businesses. Lastly, the government has put into place food assistance. So 
after the president Buhari of Nigeria imposed a lockdown or the lockdown in Lagos, Nigeria in April, the Federal Ministry of Humanitarian Affairs Disaster Management announced that they will provide food rations to vulnerable households in these states. And also according to this article, this is definitely a good idea and something that I think should be implemented more and in other countries as well. However, the government has not been able to provide food support to everyone who needs it because according to an article I read as well, the distribution system is marred by corruption and opaque accountability, as they said, and that the government uses better technology to plug leakages, track rations, and reduce corruption. The middlemen have excessive control, and it should be made sure that they do not have this. So those are some of the policies and measures that they're trying to put into place in order to help cushion the impact of the coronavirus. And according to the federal government of Nigeria, it'll require $330 million to procure medical equipment, personal protective equipment, PPE, and medicines for COVID-19 control. And the Nigerian state oil company, like I mentioned before, that's one of their major sources of income for this country, has pledged $30 million for the government's COVID-19 efforts. And... Similarly, the European Union has contributed 50 million euros to the basket fund to strengthen the Nigerian COVID-19 response. And the private sector in Nigeria has also established the Coalition Against COVID-19 initiative. And this was launched in order to raise money and use it to purchase food relief materials and provide medical facilities and equipment as needed in different regions of the country. Also, the IMF has approved $3.4 billion of emergency support to Nigeria in order to tackle some of the economic impact of the pandemic. In addition, in order to alleviate the macroeconomic situation, which is triggered by the sudden fall in oil prices, the Nigerian government has borrowed $4.34 billion from the domestic stock market to finance its budget. And the government, Nigerian government also plans on borrowing another $2.5 billion from the World Bank and $1 billion from the African Development Bank. So that's a lot of money, if you think about it, of course. And I think it will be needed because when a country relies, or not relies, but is, you know, supported and uses a lot of money from a certain certain department and in this case the oil production and the prices are falling the country you know runs out and loses a lot of money that is especially needed at a time like this with you know not enough medical equipment not enough healthcare workers and it's important that the country is stable and is working better than ever so obviously if borrowing money is what needs to be done then that's what should happen because this crisis is also an opportunity for the overall integration of health programs. And I think Nigeria will need a lot of international assistance for this country to help get out of this economic you know, crisis and get back on their feet. So it's important that we stick together and donate if we can and look into organizations that are going to help this country, which I'll always, like always, I'll have the links in the description below. And now I wanted to look at education in Nigeria. So the overall structure of education in Nigeria is 
composed of basic education, which is nine years, and then post-basic or senior secondary education, as it's called, which is three years, and tertiary education, which is four to six years, depending on your program of study. Very similar to, you know, elementary, middle, and high school in the United States. So that was the basic structure. I wanted to look at some of the flaws and some of the challenges faced by the Nigerian education system. So even though primary education is officially free and compulsory, so mandatory, about 10.5 million of the country's children aged between 5 and 14 are not in school. Only 61% of the children attend primary school and about 35% of children receive early childhood education. And although these numbers are obviously low in the north of the country or north Nigeria, it's even worse or bleaker with a net attendance of rate of 53%. As UNICEF states, gender, just like geography and poverty, is an important factor in the pattern of educational marginalization. So whether this is the fact that there are sociocultural norms or practices that discourage the attendance of girls or just family values and morals that so I think also the government should, you know, increase the efficiency of its response to the pandemic, which they're trying and obviously implementing these measures are helping and making sure that regular health programs remain well-funded is also important. Insist that girls don't receive an education, things like that. This education deprivation in especially northern Nigeria is considerably high and something that should and will and must change. And in addition to the gender gap and gender disparity of education in Nigeria, I think ensuring education in even rural areas in the northeast of Nigeria and northwest is super significant because um, basic skills like literacy and numeracy are important to develop as a young child. And it's important that even though it's in more rural areas and not the capital or in urban areas, it's important that the country you know, funds and prioritizes education and its impact that it can really have on children. So UNICEF is advocating for education to be prioritized and it targets children who are least likely to receive an education. And they want to do this by obviously taking donations and working to create an enabling environment for education, improving the quality of education, increasing demand for education, and humanitarian assistance. And they hope to do so by 2030 by the SDG number four, which is education, and by addressing some of these systemic, systemic barriers that are hindering the implementation of an effective education strategy. And I will have more resources in the description regarding education, of course, but that's some of the topics I wanted to discuss about Nigeria specifically. And I hope you guys learned a few things about this country because it is definitely an interesting one. And like I always say, knowledge is the power to cause action. I think it's really important that every, everyone, whether or not you choose to donate, is aware and knowledgeable about what's going on. So with that, I hope you enjoyed and I hope you come back for episode nine. Thank you for listening.